Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions and provides unbiased answers. Invest Talk, over 31 million downloads and counting. I wanted to get your opinion on ticker symbol. I just really like it as a long term play. I uh, appreciate the show, appreciate all the knowledge. Thanks, guys. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-SHARK. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Friday, July 9th. 2021 edition of Invest Talk, and I appreciate you all tuning in this last or this uh, first full trading week of the third quarter. And there was a lot of volatility yesterday. You saw a decent down day. Today was a decent up day. A lot of gyrations as we enter the quarter, and I think that's what you should expect because there are a lot of crosswinds, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of changes that are going on on the fiscal and monetary side that clearly, as we've built up over the past uh, decades, are uh, vital or big parts of our economy and thus the investment landscape. And I'm going to help you try to navigate them as much as possible. And I appreciate you all tuning in. And I'm going to operate this hour, as always, with my mission statement, which is independent thinking, and shared success. So I'm going to use my 20-plus years of investment experience, the data and facts in front of me, and present it to you all without bias, no matter what I'm speaking on, whether it's a strategy, a stock, or a sector, I am going to tell you as I see it. Now, Steve is normally here on Fridays, and he's taken a few days off, but he'll return next week. But I'm Justin Klein, and of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions and interact with us right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time. Or if you're listening after hours, no big deal. We have our Invest Talk Voice Bank. That's what it's there for, 24-7. Either way, give us a call, 888-99-CHART. That's 888-992-4278. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hey, Steve and Justin, this is John from Syracuse. Love your show. Just had a quick question about stock dividends. I just wanted some clarification on that. I know that they're not reducing assets or equity, but they're just sort of transferring a portion of the equity from their earnings to the capital side. I'm just wondering, it doesn't dilute the shareholders portion, but I'm just curious what that means for an investor. Is that typically a good sign? Um, I know it doesn't affect you know the value of the stock. I'm just curious what that means from an investor standpoint. I uh, look forward to hearing your answer. Thanks. So the dividends are paid as cash. Uh, there are sometimes dividends paid out as shares uh, that, that can be called a spinoff, where they're giving you, there's a new entity, and you're getting a percentage of, or shares in that new company. That can also be a type of dividend. There are different ways, different structures that can be created, but your standard dividend is just paid with cash, uh, usually from cash flow, sometimes that ca- that cash is actually 
taken from debt they've raised uh, or an asset they've sold, uh, but it's paid in cash. Now, it's your job to understand whether that dividend is sustainable, whether paying that dividend is sapping growth that uh, from the company where they could have been using that cash to reinvest and, and grow the business. And that typically is a, a better use of capital. That's why dividend paying stocks typically don't trade at high multiples because it's almost an admission the, by the executives that they don't have great use for that cash to invest in their business at, at a high return. Uh, and so good businesses, great businesses, growing businesses will fully fund all of their projects and then leave a little left over for dividends sometimes. Uh, so it can be a good thing. Dividends can be a good thing, but it also could mean just lack of growth, lack of investment opportunity. So there's different ways to break down dividends. Not all are great, not all are bad. Uh, it's really in context to the overall company. And that's why I always say dividend investing is just investing in a company. You have to focus on the company. Don't focus on, oh, it's paying a 3% yield or a 6% yield or whatever, because that yield can go away at any time. Dividends are not gospel. A, an executive committee can eliminate the dividend whenever they want. It's not like interest on a debt, for example. They can increase the dividend, they can reduce the dividend, they can eliminate the dividend. And so ultimately, when it comes down to investing in dividend-paying companies, it's about the quality of the company most of all. So make sure you're keeping your eye on that prize. Now, my focus point today concerns this story. There is a new study which reports that crypto and investment scams are skyrocketing. 2020 was a record year for, for having almost 27,000 investment and cryptocurrency scams. 2021 is on pace to exceed that number. So we're going to unpack that story. Also, inflation is rising and that's going to benefit financial companies. And we're going to unpack what that means, why that is in more detail. And then also... Why inflation weighs on consumer defensive companies. Remember I talk about this, that the underlying growth of the economy, the underlying inflation, whether it's increasing or decreasing, that's going to weigh on different areas of the economy in different ways, different sectors in different ways. And that, if you're doing it right, will color your allocation to various sectors. And so we're going to unpack that in a little more detail so you can kind of understand in real time in how it impacts these companies and their underlying business. So that's what's uh, on my docket, but ultimately we want to talk about whatever is on your mind. So make sure you give us a call. Now let's touch on the market today. We had the 10-year up seven basis points, a snapback increase in the treasury rate on the 10-year and the 30-year, which uh, was interesting. Closed, uh, not quite where we started the week, but uh, definitely a solid reversal. You had the S&P, that had a snapback, positive day after a decent sell-off yesterday, and closed actually above Wednesday's high, except for if you look at the broader index, the NYSE, that closed still down on the week, but it was a nice solid reversal candle. So you saw outperformance of the value side of the market 
versus the growth side, which is uh, the first time you've seen a major shift uh, in a little while. Growth has been outperforming over the past few weeks as interest rates have come down, as the dollar has strengthened. But today, you saw a reversal of that pattern. Value outperforming as interest rates were up, the dollar was down, and this may be a sign that that pause in the inflation narrative is starting to pick up back again, and that maybe interest rates or inflation is not transitory, and it's going to say, stay persistently high. So that was the market today, but we're heading into a quick break. It is Friday. The podcast is a little busier on Fridays, but I will get to as many calls as possible, and my phone lines are open for you right now at 888-99-CHART. The 4th of July has come and gone, but as we move through summer, you'll want to need unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. You've come to the right place. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Bob in Georgia. He's looking at MTZ, which is Mastec. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Uh, it's Todd, and I'm actually I own it, and I bought it back in September. It's uh, had a really good run, um, up over 100 percent. But I'm just sort of looking at what your thought is on the technical side. I was making a play for the more industrial uh, play back in that year, uh, last year, and just kind of wondering what your thoughts were right now about whether I may take a little profit off the table or just continue to hold it uh, again for through the year or maybe in the next year. All right. This is Maztec, a fairly large company, $7.7 billion market cap. It is up pretty dramatically. It was trading back in March of last year around $23 a share. Now we're at 104 and change the close today, and that's after a 15% pullback from its 52-week high of $122 a share. Now, next year's earnings expected to be close to 6 bucks all-time high, $5.92. So even based on those forward-looking earnings, you're talking about some some neighborhood of 16 or 17 times earnings. Revenues last quarter were up 25%, earnings up 83%. Now, what do they do? They're a leaning infrastructure construction company here in the United States or here in North America. It provides engineering, building, installation, maintenance, and upgrades of communication, energy, and utility infrastructure. So installs wireless and wireline and satellite communication, oil and gas pipeline infrastructure, conventional and renewable power generation, and other industrial systems. So right, I like all of those segments in in the fact that uh, there's a lot of money still going into developing wireless and wireline with uh, high-speed internet and 5G, and then you have utility infrastructure. I do think uh, modernizing our electric grid is something that will uh, continue to be a priority for governments, especially as they look to spend more money, and that this is a good place to be, in my mind, longer term. And if you look at the profitability of Maztec, it is near an all-time high, but it's been consistently having a return on equity in the mid to high teens over the last decade. So I like the consistency of uh, its profitability, 
trailing 12 months, about 800 million in free cash flow on us, about an $8 billion market cap. So 10% free cash flow yield. The big question is, have, have things been pulled forward? And I'm going to say no. I, I think there's still a lot of room to run for their business. And uh, this, this, the, the infrastructure bill that is running through Congress right now is definitely a lot smaller than the original $6 trillion they were talking about. It's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of $1 trillion, maybe a little bit less. Uh, but there's still a lot of appetite, I think, in Congress to continue to spend and modernize our electric grid, et cetera, uh, communication systems. And I think that this is a type of company that's going to really do well in that environment. So you've had a modest pullback here. Could have pulled back more to the 200-day moving average around 85? Absolutely. Uh, but I still think it's a decent value. It's not uh, not expensive. It's not super cheap. Uh, but it's a good company, and I like where it's sitting. So I would be holding Mastec. Now, my focus point today is concerning this story. There is a new study which reports that crypto and investment scams are skyrocketing. So let's take a look at this troubling phenomenon. Now, there are some overarching takeaways from this report. First is that in 2020, there were almost 26,500 cases reported to the government. Now, these are just reported to the government. Not every case is reported. But in those cases, it resulted in a loss of $419 million when it comes to investment in cryptocurrency scams. So this is a combination. Now, 2021 is set to exceed those numbers. And the amount of scams is increasing over the last few years. Between 2017 and the first quarter of 2021, the most common age reported that reported uh, to be a victim of investment scams are the 30 to 39-year-olds. So uh, young enough to maybe not know a lot, to learn a lot of lessons, but old enough to maybe have a little bit of money. Now, American age 20 to 29, there were 6,900 of those cases. So once again, too young to really learn the lesson uh, other ways. They have to learn it the hard way, but they don't lose as much because they don't have as much money. So that was an interesting takeaway is that cohort. Now, baby boomers, they are less likely to be a victim of cryptocurrency type fraud, but they lose a lot more than the younger people because obviously have more money. And, this is a common theme now that it used to be wire fraud was the most frequently used method of payment for fraud. Now it's cryptocurrency as its popularity is rising and it's a lot easier to move money using uh, cryptocurrency. So this is something you need to watch out for. It is rising and it's only going to continue to rise with the advent of the internet and more and more people looking for a way out. You know, with the wealth gap so large, scams are likely to increase. You're listening to Invest Talk. We're heading into a break, so give us a call at 888 chart If you have a time-sensitive question for Steve or Justin, let them know by expressing your confidence in Invest Talk with a five-star rating review. Just include a brief question within your five-star comments. So download, listen, review, and rate InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. 
Hi, this is Brian from Laguna Beach, California. I was wondering what your thoughts were on Clover Health Investments Corp, C-L-O-V. It was actually featured on Wall Street Bets about a month ago. I think they did something called a short squeeze. I think it rose up to like $27, $28 a share, but now it's kind of down to 10 I do have uh, $150 worth of shares in that one. It was in the uh, mid-20s, but now it's down to 10 So I was wondering what your guys' outlook was, it, uh, was on it. Enjoy the show, and thanks for all your help. All right, well, first off, if you're looking at Wall Street bets, understand that that is not something that you you speculate on as an investment. It's not an investment. It's speculation. It's They're, they're trying to create a short squeeze. That is a short-term move in the markets. The, the, no way, shape, or form is that creating value for the company. The company is still the same company whether there's a short squeeze or not. So understand that. And don't chase these these short squeezes. Now, if you want to speculate that there will be another short squeeze, and this one had one uh, in early June, went from... Uh, about eight dollars a share, all the way to twenty-eight. Now it's back down to nine and change, and that's that's what you expect here: is a short squeeze, and it retraces all or, or the vast majority of that move. And and uh, Clover is a name that has high short interest because their business is absolutely terrible. They continue to lose money. They continue to burn burn capital at a, at a, at a faster rate. Uh, and uh, this is one of those growth at all costs. And uh, when I say all costs, meaning their costs are much, much higher than their revenue. And what they do is they are trying to use AI to sell medical, uh, Medicare, supplemental insurance. And, and there's a lot to, to the business. I don't really need to go into it. But the bottom line is it's a poorly run company. It's not making any money. It continues to make less and less money or lose more and more money each and every quarter. So uh, definitely going to pass on it. This is not an investment. You're a young investor. You're here locally in Laguna Beach. And uh, hopefully maybe I run into you if you see me around town. Say hi. Uh, But don't be jumping on Wall Street bets and thinking you're going to learn how to invest. You're going to maybe jumping on a bandwagon to speculate. And if that's what you want to do, great. But if you want to actually be an investor, that's not where you want to be learning. So uh, Clover, I wouldn't say I short it because you don't want to be caught up in those short squeezes, but it's definitely not an investment opportunity. Now, from time to time, we get email questions. So I'm going to read this one. Uh, this one's coming from UK. And just for everyone out there, if uh, a lot of our foreign uh, listeners, especially in Canada, other countries, maybe difficult to get through to, our, to, to the 888 line. I'm not sure why uh, you should be able to, but if you want to leave a question, I encourage you, and this is for everyone out there. If you want to support us, head over to iTunes, leave your question as a five-star comment. So leave a five-star rating and ask a question. We will put you at the top of the queue. So that is probably the best way for any of you to ask a question, and then you get answered rather quickly. So Let's talk about his questions. He's looking at Marine Products Corp, MPX. says, technically, I like this. And seems to be for uh, a strong, strong reverse head and shoulders, decent dividend, and buying back shares. So let's, let's discuss that. I like companies that are buying back shares. That is definitely one of the factors I look at. I want to know that they are have enough cash flow to go back and, and purchase their shares and it's at a cheap enough price for them to get excited to buy back shares. Now they're not buying back shares aggressively. 37 million in 2013, now we're at 34 million. So that's good, 
but not fantastic. Uh, earnings or, or cash flows continue to go up. Nine million in 2014. Free cash flow trailing 12 months is now 30 million. I like that. Now, what do they do? They make recreational fiberglass boats for sports fishing, deck boats, cruisers, sports fishing, etc. So, the big question is. Will the tailwinds of the pandemic continue? Uh, and this has really been consolidating for the past almost year now, after that big spike last September, has just been consolidating in the mid-teens. Uh, but their business continues to, to make headway, $545 million market cap on $30 million in free cash flow. You know, it's okay. It's, it's not my favorite. I think it's a good business. Their long-term return equity is in the high teens. Sorry, high 20s and rising, and, and I like that. So good company. doesn't get me overly excited, but I do like the chart that it's been consolidating for a while and will likely break out higher in the medium term. So I'm going to give MPX a, a solid thumbs up. Not over the moon with it, but I like it. Now, the other one is B2 Gold. BTG is the symbol. I'm a fan of this name. Obviously, you know I like the, the gold and, and mining space. And this has had a solid pullback from a 52-week high of $7.55. Now we're at 4.08, down 46%. And it is into some major support, and their business continues to do well. Earned 50 cents a share last year. Still going to earn 45 cents this year, but you know that's a nine times multiple, and they're really just printing money uh, in this time. Now, I, I don't love the jurisdictions that they're in, Nicaragua, Namibia, Philippines, I would rather them be in more stable jurisdictions. So that's my biggest knock on B2 Gold. Probably not my favorite in the space, uh, but you know I like the, uh, the gold mining space overall, and it is a good value. But it's a good value because of those shoddy jurisdictions. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And for investors, the need to remain vigilant never ends. So you will have finance and investment questions. And that's why we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Hi, this is Jack in Wisconsin. And my question is, who would be candidate to manage their own retirement portfolios. So obviously a lot of your listeners are obviously doing their own managing of their portfolios. I, a while ago, opened up a Roth IRA, but had someone that's been managing that for me with quarterly touch points just because I didn't know what I was doing. But I've been doing a lot of research and finding that this is very exciting and thinking about maybe doing something on my own. My wife is eligible for an IRA, and then also possibly just another kind of stock portfolio in general. But yeah, I guess like in your opinion, is should I just keep sticking with having a, someone manage my products or should I be candidates that would want to do it on your own or just in general, what's kind of your rules of who should manage, manage what? I appreciate it and really enjoyed the podcast. Thank you. 
It's a great question. And that's why we do the show. Uh, and we know that there is a, a large subset of you out there that uh, like to do it on your own. And with the right amount of time, data, discipline, and expertise, you can do this on your own. Now, we have a business at KPP because we know that not everyone has those four things. A lot of people are working. Uh, a lot of people don't have the training or the, the time to, to dig in and learn enough over time. Uh, a lot of people have other responsibilities or just don't want to do it themselves. And so that's the answer to your question is, do you have the time to do the research, to uh, analyze your portfolio, to do research on individual companies as well as the macro economy? Then do you have the right data? Do you have the right systems in place to uh, get data for, for, to make those, uh, to, to do that analysis? Whether that's from your broker or maybe you purchase from a third party like a Morningstar or some other research outfit. Number three, do you have the time? Do you have the time to sit there and, and do it all? And then lastly, do you have the discipline? Do you have the discipline to, uh, when the market goes down, to buy based on your understanding of a market, a company, a, a sector, an asset class, and how that fits in context to your overall strategy? So those are the things that would prepare you to do it on your own. Now, if you don't have those things, there's no problem. No, no, not a big deal. You, it's not, nothing wrong with hiring somebody. And hopefully that person can help you beyond just the investment part as well. Okay. So this is how you decide whether you are ready to invest on your own. If you're not today, no big deal. Keep learning, keep listening, and maybe you come across a time in your life when you do check all those boxes, then you can do it on your own. Now, I'll share some highlights from today's KPP Premium Newsletter right after this next question. It's a live call from Alex in San Jose talking about Playboy. Hey, Justin. Um, I'm looking for an entry point. I did a Fibonacci replacement, and it looks like $30. Am I doing it right? Or point of okay, great question. So what you're doing is a Fib retrace, Fibonacci retracement. This is a common technical analysis uh, strategy to, as you have a move up, you have a retracement and it typically will find support at different retracement levels. Uh, quarter percent of that move, 0 0.38, 0 0.5, and 0.618, which is the strongest. And $30, around 30 and change, is right around that 0.618 retrace, which is typically the strongest. Now, it also hit the 100-day moving average yesterday, and that also is strong support as well. And there's some other indicators to me that we are very close to that next move higher uh, in Playboy. Now, could it go dip down to 30 today? Close at 35, spot 18. Could it dip down to 30 in chains? Abs absolutely, especially if you maybe get a market sell-off over the next uh, month or two. Uh, but this is a name that's kind of been moving on its own. It's not really been tied to the overall market, but uh, certainly uh, it could get cut up with that for a week or two. I do think it's that good support. Uh, I would probably step in a bit here and then more 
if you do get down to that 30 level, if you're bullish on Playboy, which we are. So good call. And I like getting into those technical questions because I love charting. I think it's very interesting. And in my experience, it works very well if you know what you're doing. Now it is Friday and I'm filling in for Steve. So as usual, I will share brief highlights of the newest KPP premium newsletter. It was distributed to subscribers just before the show today. So I'll give you a little tidbit. Now, the market condition sections, we explained that the week began on a negative note following the release of the Institute of Supply Management, the ISM number, which was at 60.1. Now, this is still a strong figure because it signifies economic growth. Anything above 50 is economic growth. But it is disappointing because it is less than the June's record of 64%. The main cause of this decline are the circumstances concerning companies who have suffered an inability to hire workers or purchase adequate supplies to meet demand. Lack of supplies results in higher material and labor costs. Inflation pressures are very bothersome for markets because they can force the hand of the Fed, thereby causing a tightening sooner than anticipated. Markets will continue to monitor these supply chain deficiencies to determine if they appear to be short-term bottlenecks or more serious developments. So that was the part of the market condition section. That's only one segment and uh, breaking down what we saw uh, in the new data coming in and what that means for markets, economies, and policy going forward. Now, in the portfolio management section, we point out that a common problem that investors face is the complexity and availability of too many product choices. For instance, there are a vari- wide variety of investments and account structures that take advantage of tax policy. Common products include IRAs, variable annuities, 401ks. However, the kind of investor you, ha- you happen to be and your particular needs will dictate the appropriate account type for you and the equity or bond instruments you should employ. So that that is understanding the portfolio management. Remember, IRAs, 401ks, these are account types. What you put into them are the investments, whether that's a, a, a mutual fund, an ETF, an individual stock, an individual bond, a bond fund, a commodity fund, whatever that is. Okay. Now in the stock ideas section, we focus on a stock value from the largest brewer in the world and one of the world's top five consumer product companies as measured by EBITDA. Now, as the global economy slowly reopens, sales continue to improve. The company pays a dividend yielding 1.67%. We also highlighted the world's largest duty-free shop operator and a leader in the travel retail sector. We named those names in the newsletter. Now, there are a lot of, there's a lot of value, valuable information in the KPP Premium Newsletter each week. It is easy for you to subscribe directly through investtalk.com. And after subscribing, you'll receive the full report each Friday directly to your inbox. And for additional and effective guidance tailored to your portfolio and your risk tolerance, I encourage you to reach out with a message or a phone call to myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California. You can send us a message through investtalk.com as well. Now let's pivot back to the InvestTalk Voice Bank for a question that came in from Texas. Hi, this is Tim from Texas. Uh, calling to ask about the Beachbody company, B-O-D-Y, body is the symbol. Uh, They recently had their IPO, and I'm not able to find earnings information, but I saw that their price jumped up a little bit, and now it's dropped back down. Just wondering if you have any information on it, what your opinion is. Love the show, and I'll listen on the podcast. 
All right, this is BODY, and this it was not a recent IPO. This, in fact, is a SPAC, and it just recently, I believe, despacked. Now that its, uh, its ticker symbol has changed, I don't know what it was <clears throat> before, but it's kind of a conglomerate of various fitness companies. And uh, they put together, including Beachbody, and that's the name that they are, are going with. And that's why you haven't seen a, a lot of uh, information. I don't have a lot of information either on the company as a whole because it's such a new new issue and a new public company as it became uh, as it despacked. Now, earnings expectations for this year are losing thirty cents, losing nine cents in twenty twenty two. So there are some issues there. You would really have to understand the the business and, and trajectory and I have not dug into it yet and this is Beachbody and OpenFit is another uh, are the two core business platforms it looks like and that's all I really have on it so now clearly they're going to try to compete with Peloton and they have nutritional programs apparently and selling various products through the Beachbody uh, brand etc so to me, this is a lot to do with the management and whether management is going to be able to execute on the strategy and whether the strategy is actually good or are they just going to be another player with low margins within the industry. So uh, I can't really give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down, but know that this is a SPAC that just de-SPAC'd and you would really have to understand the long-term trajectory and the plan, just like Playboy. Playboy was a SPAC. It despacked. It has a plan. It has a, a, a trajectory for what it wants to do with its business. You really have to dig into that. I haven't done that on this name, but that's what you're going to really have to do to create a conviction, either bullish or bearish. So thanks for the call. Now let's keep things moving. This one comes from our voice bank question at 888 chart Hey, Justin and Steve. This is Rob from Connecticut calling. I've got a question about mortgages. My wife and I spent the past year paying down our credit card debts, auto debts, all that stuff, and we're looking to level up in size from our current place. And we're trying to take advantage of the current lower interest rates, and we're basically trying to figure out if this is the optimum time to buy or if we should wait until things cool down a bit. Interest rates might come up a bit, and but the home values might also decrease. Just trying to get your sense on the topic, and I look forward to hearing your answer on the podcast. Thanks. All right, great question. Uh, and I would say it depends on where you're at. It depends on your your needs. How are you? Maybe you're having a baby and you need an extra room and you need to upsize for that. Uh, so everyone's situation is a little bit different, and and the market that they're shopping in is a little bit different. Now, I will say I do think the market, the the, the housing market, is going to cool off in the back half of the year and into 2022 as more supply comes back on. I've said this before many times, mortgage and rent moratorium coming off. That is going to change the, the dynamics of the of the housing industry. Uh, there may also be a tick up in mortgage rates from three to maybe three and a half percent as the Fed pulls back from buying mortgage-backed securities and supporting that market. You might see the spread above treasuries increase a bit. Uh, but and, and they're probably okay with that. And they probably want the housing market to cool off just a bit with the amount of inflation you're seeing uh, in the economy as a whole. And that is a clear place that they can target that will benefit kind of the middle income, uh, middle America, where they're still trying to buy homes, new young people trying to buy homes. Uh, they probably don't want that to, to get away from them. So uh, I do expect policy to allow for a cooling of the markets uh, and how much of a cooling will depend once again on the dynamics of your industry or, or of your of your your neighborhoods that you're you're shopping in. So 
I would say I would be patient, but if you find an opportunity that works for you that you can afford, then go and do it, buy it. If you can afford that monthly payment, because if the perfect opportunity arrives, take it because it's no guarantee that's going to come along. Even if the housing market cools, maybe that perfect house for you, uh, won't show up again. And so remember, look at your home, your primary residence as a utility to you. You are living in it. It's your lifestyle. It's your life. You should be happy in it. If it's, if it earns money, fantastic. But most important, you should be happy in it and you should be able to afford it. If it goes up, great, but that shouldn't be your primary driver. Now, 2021 feels like it's moving fast and we're seeing a bit of market volatility over this week. In, in fact, my YouTube video over on YouTube, Analyze the Market for the Week, which I just uh, posted, talks about the volatility you've seen and what uh, little nuances I saw this week. Outperformance of value over growth over the past few days. Interesting little change over the because of the last few weeks with interest rates going down, with the dollar going up, that's actually helped the growth side of the market. We're not back to summer highs, but certainly give a little bit of a boost there. But are we going to see a rollover once again where growth goes down, value maybe goes sideways, maybe goes up, depending on market conditions. But you need to be prepared for the back half of the year. And let me remind you that at my company, KPP Financial, we operate with the same philosophy, independent thinking and shared success. Excuse me. And when I say shared success, what I mean is parallel investing, meaning we invest right alongside our clients. So if you want a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings, just head out over to investtalk.com, click on the contact Justin, contact Steve button, or the portfolio review uh, tab and send us a message and we'll set up a time to have you go over your portfolio with you, understand your goals and help you in any way we possibly can. So don't hesitate to reach out. Now on Friday, Steve generally makes time to fit in a quick rundown of key benchmark numbers. So let's look at those. The two-year treasury yield at 0.217%. Last week, that was a little higher, 0.238. So down just a couple ticks, a couple basis points there. The 10-year yield, 1.36%. Last week was 1.434%. But you had a pretty big move higher today in the 10-year. And I'm going to be watching that. We hit major support in the 10-year. You have the Treasury general account probably going to be wound down to more reasonable levels by the end of this month. Another thing I talk about on my YouTube uh, video, if you want to go check that out, which meaning there's more debt to be issued as we get past into the debt ceiling, past the debt ceiling, government's going to have to borrow more money. And that is likely to add supply to the Treasury market and increase rates. Now, gold is priced at 1809 per ounce. Up a bit from last week was 1781. Silver was at 2625, also up a bit from last week of 2547. So modest up week for the precious metals. Oil, 74.53 a barrel, down just a tick from about $75 last week. So kind of a flat week on oil. National average for gasoline, 314, up two cents from last week. In California, the highest, averaging $4.30. I know I filled up the car yesterday. It was pretty expensive. Now, for comparison, in North Carolina, the average price of gas is only $2.90 at the pump. Now, we're heading into our last break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. 
because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, my name's Johnny. I'm a longtime listener. I was just curious on your guys' outlooks on MPW, Medical Properties Trust. It's a hospital REIT, pretty heavily in it, and just recently it's been going down, so I've been buying more. Tempted just to go all in and just ride it out till I die. So I was just wondering your guys' output. Um, seems pretty diverse, um, and it's a hospital read. I mean, there's always going to be hospitals. So would love to hear your answer on the podcast. Have a good rest of your day. Bye. All right, this is Medical Property Trust, and I do want to correct you a little bit. It is not just a hospital REIT. It operates, uh, it owns and leases healthcare facilities of multiple kinds. So uh, it's not just hospitals. And so while it is diverse, so that's a good thing. And it owns owns properties here in the United States as well as Germany and the UK. So I like that international diversity as well. It is a very solid, consistent company uh, producing solid cash flow, 700 billion dollars in operating free cash flow over the trailing 12 months. So I like that and a $12 billion market cap pays a 5.5% yield uh, and is historically consistently profitable, although not at a super high level, but it's it's medical. So medical, uh, almost everything is usually pretty consistent. And so I like this and now it has been underperforming, but that's uh, anything that is tied to uh, tied to things that are non-cyclical, typically getting less allocation of capital. And it has pulled down a little bit below the 200-day moving average. If you look on a weekly chart, it is at some decent support around the 100-day moving average. Now, you also said go all in. I don't know what that means. Hopefully, it's not more than maybe 5% of your overall portfolio. If it is, then I wouldn't be adding to it. Uh, but uh, anything below that, uh, I wouldn't mind adding to it. Obviously, you have to look at the whole mix of your overall portfolio. But it is a very solid REIT, definitely one of the better ones out there. Thanks for the call. Great question. Now let's touch on inflation. And I'm going to highlight two different sectors real quick before we close the, the day of how inflation can be helpful and also damaging to various sectors. Now the financial services index has done very well. It's outperformed the U.S. market index over the past year, returning about 55.4% compared to the overall market about 44%. So that has to do with a rising interest rate environment or rising inflationary environment. When you get a rising inflationary environment, you typically see outperformance in financials. Now, in the second quarter alone, it was up 9.5 versus the market up 8.1%. Now, banking executives obviously love what's happening with fiscal and monetary policy, uh, mainly fiscal with giving people money. That means that write-offs and charge-offs are relatively low. Now, that's going to increase in the back half of the year as unemployment benefits start to tail off and stimulus starts to tail off, but they have ample capital and reserves, so they're not really worried about solvency there. But when prices rise, uh, it makes the nominal value of the debts a lot easier to pay back. So that is why financials typically do better, as well as the fact that interest rates tend to go up and companies like insurance companies, which are in the financial sector, they earn a higher rate on their return. Banks can lend at higher rates as well and have a higher spread. And so all of that typically is good for Financial companies. Well, inflation is also bad for certain sectors like consumer staples. For example, labor 
costs going up, raw materials, transportation, logistics, packaging, all of those costs are going up right now. And those are input costs to packaged goods, to food, uh, to, to these consumer staple companies that typically have very small margins. Okay. And input costs are variable. And so it's harder for them to pass those input costs on to consumers, even though they're doing that now. And a number of operators are intending to raise prices on the things that they put on the shelves, but can they do that consistently and keep their margins and keep up with the amount of inflation in their operating costs? And typically they cannot. Uh, and so that is why inflation is typically bad for the consumer defensive staples side of the market. So hopefully that gave you a little bit of color of where inflation can be good and bad. And that also applies to the nine other sectors in the market as well. Some are good. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return on Monday, the first official day of... Is it the first official day of summer? No. That was last week, I think. Now, in the meantime, please remember to tell your friends and family members that they can choose from over 100 archived Invest Talk podcasts as free downloads, which they can find over at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, as well as investtalk.com. And if you want to listen live, you can always hear the program each weekday via our real-time streaming through investtalk.com. Just click on the Listen Live button. It's free. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk output. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial.